What up, Ring Crew Army, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, we have a lot of New Japan Pro Wrestling to get through, especially up until the current night of night four, I believe, maybe night five. I've been out of the loop, but I've been paying attention to the matches, and I've been paying attention to the road to Dantaku. The road to Dantaku leads to May 4th and May 5th where it's going to be Wrestling Dantaku 2021. And I already put out the predictions podcast episode about those nights, which you guys could definitely go check it out over at anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast, or take it one step further and visit the website, www.ravagelands.com. And if you want to give me your predictions for Wrestling Don Taku 2021 when it comes May 3rd and May 4th, please tag me on Twitter at Marie underscore Shadows to get that conversation going. So during these Road 2 shows, they could get very repetitive and we've been seeing the same matches over and over. So I won't dive too deep into the same matches over and over with the same stories. However, some new story layers and tidbits have been developing, which is very nicely. I do want to say that this Road 2 Dantaku series has been very dominant by United Empire led by Will Ospreay and his amazing set of athletes Aaron Hanare, Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb together as a team they all work great whether they're in tag team six man and eight man tags they have been dominating throughout the whole entire tour even if sometimes they don't get the victories here and there but regardless they look like a million bucks and they look like one day they will rival Bullet Club and I cannot wait for that So let's just quickly go over the highlights for the notes that I have for night two and three. And then we'll generally talk about the whole entire Road 2 show in general, the breakout stars, what stories we can probably see in the future, fantasy booking. You know, let's just have fun with this episode. So for night two of the Road to Dantaku, this was on April 13th. The opening match was Gabriel Kidd teaming up with Sho and Yo to take on Desperado, Suzuki, and Yoshinobu. Gabriel Kidd definitely holds his own here in this match and even goes after Suzuki. Suzuki is not a wrestler to fuck with at all as... To me, he's the most intimidating person there aside from Ishii, but Gabriel Kidd does not back down. Gabriel Kidd has all that heart and determination to prove to the veterans that him as a young lion definitely belongs in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling and definitely wants to make that statement so that way he could eventually graduate along with his other two young lions suji and yuya which both of them are doing fine i'll talk about them in a moment in this match all three members of suzuki goon was keeping yo in their corner again working on yo's rehabilitated knee he's coming off of nine months from having a knee injury yo show and gabriel kid are all looking amazing in, in this match against Yoshinobu and Suzuki and Desperado obviously when come to wrestling Dantaku we're gonna get 
Desperado versus Yo for Desperado's Junior Heavyweight Championship title. That's going to be a very interesting matchup. The finish of this match was definitely very perplexing and very innovative. We had Yoshinobu who shoves the ref into the corner and this allows him to do a pop-up double knees you would think to show's back or his stomach no crashing down right on his balls like really as much as that was innovative and to get the win that way a dirty win it was not expected to see that in the match i didn't expect it at all and that was a unique way of winning without the referee seeing that it was blatantly double knees to the balls. And poor show. So Yoshinobu covers show after that. And Yoshinobu picks up the victory for Suzuki Gun in the opening contest of The Road to Dantaku Night 2. The next match is a tag team match. We've seen this on the road to Dantaku. It's been repetitive to say the least. And it is uh, G.O.D. with Jado taking on Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi who makes up Dangerous Techers along with Doki in their corner. All these men are going to have their matches come May 3rd and May 4th. On May 3rd, we're having singles action where it's going to be Zack Zabel Jr. taking on Tungaloa. If Zack Zabel Jr. can pin Tungaloa, he is granted a tag team title shot against G.O.D. for those titles. If Zack Zabel Jr. does not get that victory over Tungaloa on May 3rd, that will probably be his last time to try to get those tag team titles with his partner Tai Chi. I really need this story to really stop. I really do. And it's only because there's nothing really new to be added to this story at all. If they would have grabbed another heavyweight tag team to insert them into G.O.D. versus Dangerous Techers, then maybe it could be something new and fresh. But throughout the Road 2 series, we keep getting the same matches. Even though in the matches, there are different story elements, which help. But let's be honest, it helps like 5% of the storytelling going forward. And that's only because, like, I think match one, it was where Dangerous Techers with Doki won the first match between all of them because they all did a submission on G.O.D. and Jado. And then for the second one, for night two, the finish was... Tungaloa doing the eat shit finisher to Doki. And then again, Bullet Club being destructive, EOD being destructive to their opponents coming up May 3rd and May 4th. And so throughout the days of the Road to Dantaku series, this team has been battling over and over and over again. And the only new tidbits is only this past backstage comments which was pretty interesting again tango loa telling zach Zabu jr that he needs to beat loa in a singles match before they can be granted a tag team title shot that's not very difficult to understand but 
with all of Zack Zabel Jr.'s frustrations, it's easy to manipulate him. And again, some type of doubt is going to be there when come, if they get that tag team championship title shot, that some doubt is going to be there and they're going to lose. Tama, you know, Tama was there talking his shit and he's absolutely right in everything that he says. And he's probably going to get the iron fingers maybe because both him and tai chi are going to be in a singles match on may 3rd where the iron fingers are going to be hoisted above the ring and it's going to be a ladder match so it's basically a custody battle of the iron fingers i honestly thought this story was already done with there's nothing new to it where i could get hype i just want that story to really end so aside from god having backstage comments so did Zack Zaber Jr. and Tai Chi also had backstage comments and both of them were completely frustrated they both want their title shot they both want to take the boats off of G.O.D. but that's not how it works and the more frustrated that they get the more mistakes that they're going to get when we get closer to wrestling Don Taku maybe night four maybe if Zack Zaber Jr. can't pick up that victory against Tunga Loa most likely for New Japan Pro Wrestling they'll have Zack go over Loa just so that way on night four we can have that tag team title match and see who can finally be called the best in New Japan Pro Wrestling for the tag team division but there was something interesting, too, in those backstage comments. And I think Zack Zaber Jr. subconsciously said something that struck me as a little odd. With him and Tai Chi, he's always been the type to push forward and let the fans know that both him and Tai Chi are going to get the job done no matter what. Even after cursing up a storm to their opponents that he probably considers keep dodging them. And they're technically not dodging you guys. You guys just have to make sure you get that victory in order to get your tag team title shot. But during his backstage comments, he mentioned that there's some doubt happening. And I'm not sure if that's doubt between himself and Tai Chi or doubt that this tag team match will even happen. But the moment that your opponent starts doubting... Make sure to capitalize on that and make sure to manipulate it to the best of your ability so that way you can retain championship titles. You can retain a winning streak and you could definitely be known as the best in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I'm not sure how G.O.D. is definitely going to take advantage of the doubts that Zack Sabre Jr. has. And if he does have these doubts and we see them on May 3rd, then we know that they're probably not going to get a championship title match if Zack Zaber Jr. can push past his doubts and somehow get an upset victory over Tangaloa, who's one half of the heavyweight junior tag team champions, then maybe on May 4th we can see that tag team title shot. But I just thought that was interesting. I think subconsciously, Zack Zaber Jr. had mentioned it. So I honestly hope that whatever the outcome is, we can move past G.O.D. taking on Zack Zaber Jr. and Tai Chi. I need some new fresh matchups. I need some new angles, something different, something unexpected. That's what I really need right now from both of these teams because I know how great G.O.D. is. And for them to keep doing the same things over and over without adding anything new is definitely going to not make it as hype as possible. And I really can't make this hype too on the podcast. I love G.O.D. They 
they are fantastic. I just need something different to talk about and get behind. Like, which brings me to my next point, Bullet Club versus Chaos. The main thing to take away from those matches on these Road 2 is that Kenta is one hell of a performer. He has Bochan by his side and it is the best love story ever written in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He took Bochan away from Yoshihashi and Bochan is free to do whatever she wants to do. Bochan has even helped Kenta remain in the 10-man elimination match that they had not too long ago just by allowing Kenta to keep his feet from not touching the floor. It's a true love unlike anything else in New Japan Pro Wrestling other than the Golden Lovers story arc. This is number two, so it's not really far behind. When I say this is number two, I mean Kenta and Bochan. The other story to come out of Bullet Club versus Chaos is Evil versus Yano in a blindfold match. If you guys don't know, on Twitter, Yano again somehow cheated to win in the poll by going ahead in poll numbers against Evil. Evil was in the lead and then somehow Yano just wins it. I'm telling you, man. I don't know why New Japan don't look into Yano's like cheating system. Yano gotta stop cheating because things don't make sense. Also, I think I am the only one that pops whenever the lights go out. And no, I am not thinking that New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to get Undertaker and do the whole Undertaker thing. Even though that would be cool, you know, if one point in Undertaker's 20 plus career that he would have went over to new japan pro wrestling as like the undertaker with the get up and the sound and just to feel the atmosphere of how that would be over in japan that would have been nice one day but in placement of undertaker there's evil and the lights go out and apparently yano is afraid of the darkness which is kiddie-ish but whatever we're gonna go with it so once the lights hit out we have evil doing the Everything is evil. Move on, Yano. And then Dick Togo comes in and covers Yano. This is when he has the bag covering over his head. And this allows Dick Togo to pick up the victory over Yano for Bullet Club. And now we come to the main event of the Road to Dantaku series, night two and night three. I'm going to be combining the two main events only because it is United Empire. United Empire is going to take up the rest of this podcast. So let's have some fun with this. So for night two, we get LIJ versus United Empire. LIJ versus United Empire has been on this road to Dantaku series for a while, but it doesn't feel like the same old matches as we would get with the tag teams whenever Bullet Club is involved in the road two shows. The Road 2 shows had definitely shown that everyone always steps up and United Empire has been stepping up ever since Soccer Genesis. And it's been a breath of fresh air for New Japan Pro Wrestling, for myself that loves to cover professional wrestling no matter what. And you guys definitely know that my podcast is Pro Bullet Club. It's definitely Pro Jay White. However, sometimes... Other wrestlers that you watch from afar definitely mature and grow and become their own man. And that is the man, Will Ospreay, who is our IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And the accompany 
talent that he has with him are also championship material and they're doing amazing in this business it's all about timing it's all about connections and Jeff Cobb is definitely a really good athlete in the ring and cuts short and sweet backstage promos that leave you wanting more because you know that he's capable of really destroying people really using his power against people and then to hype up everybody, you know, subtlety at his best. And then you have Great Khan, which I didn't understand anything about him and his character. But him being dubbed the dominator of the United Empire really works in his favor and his role in the contributions to make United Empire that much better. Him being the spokesperson for the United Empire in my opinion, is definitely a unique choice. And I think it was only chosen because they're in Japan. It makes sense for him to be the spokesperson or the PR person, as Naito likes to say. And I think Great Khan calls himself the PR of the United Empire as well. But regardless, Great Khan's dominator role works well in the dynamic of Osprey, Cobb, and also Hinare. And Hinari quickly has become one of my favorite wrestlers to watch and grow and to talk about because of the passion and the heart that he has for the business. You can see it. The first time that Hinari appears in my notes is during the anniversary show on March 4th of 2021 of this year, where I can definitely see the star in him. I know he has a lot more wrestling under his belt. I know he has a lot more matches under his belt. But being exposed to him on that night and following him through the New Japan Cup and just seeing how he handles himself in the ring, you could definitely see that there was something needed to be added to Hinari at the time. Him being a babyface, it just wasn't the best idea now that he has aligned himself with united empire everything just falls into place and everything just feels like this is the hinari we are all supposed to see in front of us and we're supposed to grow with him at the same time as he's growing and he's doing a wonderful job His wrestling ability inside the ring now is a lot more tamed and calm than when he was a babyface. When he was a babyface, he had all this power and destructive and that rage that he carries. And you could definitely see it. You could definitely know that he's going to run at you at full speed and you're going to feel it. Jay White definitely knows and again, that match that Hanari had with Jay White was one of the best matches I've seen. And that's because Jay White knows how to get the best out of his opponents. Now that Hanari has become the ultimate weapon for the United Empire, you can definitely see that there is no wasted moves, no wasted motion when he's going after Sonata. And even adding a simple heel hook submission in his moveset just tells me that he's willing to adapt in situations in these wrestling matches. Sometimes wrestlers in general go in there with their moveset of that they're all power and they try to 
get the victory as quick as possible with the moves that they have rather than thinking about if they add a certain type of move, this is going to slow down the match. This is going to make your opponent not be 100%. And then when you go in for the victory, it might end up being that much sweeter. So as an example, we always say that if you're fighting a high flyer, the best thing to do is to attack either their core so that way they don't have enough strength to at least do a frog splash or take out their legs so that way they don't have enough strength to climb the ropes or even to walk and the more submissions that you know the better it is to keep your opponent grounded especially if you're going against a high flyer sometimes high flyers defy all odds and end up still flying even if they're hurt but regardless you got them hurt and there's a chance of getting a victory so that just shows me that Hinari is ready to become an all-round wrestler and to show the world why he definitely belongs to New Japan Pro Wrestling, why he definitely deserves to wrestle with the best. And they put him against the best. Jay White is definitely one of the best in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And to go against him, that was definitely a really good idea. And it really showed that Hinari has all this power, has all this talent. However, it might be very loud and large, meaning that every time he came out of the corner, it was explosive. Every time he hit Jay White, it was explosive. Now, when he's with United Empire, it's still explosive, but it's controlled. He lets out his power whenever it's needed. But when he's around the United Empire, they probably taught him that don't always go 100% into the matches. You could definitely go at like 50, maybe 70. And then if you get your one-on-one with the guy that you've been feuding, you could probably go all out. That's just what I'm inferring from the matches that I'm watching of United Empire, whether that's with Will Ospreay teaming up with... Hinare or Great Okan teaming up with Hinare. I still want to see a Hinare and Jeff Cobb team up and see how that works. The dynamic that each of these guys have and bring to the table work very cohesively together. And the more times that Hinare is in these matches showing the best that he can be and getting his reps in, the fans should definitely be appreciative of this and jump on the Hinare bandwagon. Just throwing it out there. There is a quote that I would like to throw out there, which is, if you don't have determination, you have no destination. And that quote can definitely apply to every wrestler, every person out there. And what it means is that We all have determination. Don't think that this is a knock to not having determination. Everyone is different in their own ways. Everyone has different goals and everyone has a different speed at which they want to achieve their goals. So we all have a destination. But if you're not determined to put your thoughts and your actions and your goals into work, if you're not going to allow them to make you feel uncomfortable for the unknown and feel giddy and nervous because this is something that you want to achieve, then 
you have no destination. You have it in your mind. You have it mapped out. But if you're not going to put one foot in front of the other to make sure that you achieve everything that you ever want in life, then what's the point? You can have all the determination and ambition in the world, but if you don't have that destination in mind to where you're checking off your checklist to make sure you get there, then this quote is definitely not going to work for you. And we could definitely apply this to wrestling in the story arc of Hinari only because him as a baby face wasn't working. He had all the determination ever. He has a huge freaking heart and you know that he was made for wrestling. The moment that he chose the United Empire, that's where everything changed. And that's where he got his destination. Through all of his determination and hard work and even his upbringing allowed him to get to where he wanted to go to, do things that most people say they want to do, and really be good at it. Imagine if he tried to join Chaos. If Okada was like, hey, Hinari, come join Chaos. That wouldn't work. We saw that him teaming up with Chaos at one point didn't work. Imagine if Tana was like, yeah, I'll take you under my wing, like, for real, real. And, you know, we'll be a tag team or something, or I'll just be your guide that wouldn't work Hinari wouldn't work with Tana they probably have a good working relationship as a like tag team but other than that like technically it wouldn't work imagine if Naito was like hey Hinari come join LIJ that doesn't work either even though LIJ really just translates to the ungovernable but you know, that wouldn't work for Hinari. Hinari would get lost in the shuffle with LIJ. He'll probably have like a fantastic time just watching Hiromu and Naito being stupid. But that's about it. The only other team that probably could have worked is him joining Suzuki Gun. But then again, you know, it wouldn't work. He will probably get lost in the shadow of Suzuki Gun because I don't see Zack Zaber Jr. teaching Hinari anything new. So here's why Hinari joining United Empire makes sense. Not only is Hinari surrounded by star power, I know for a fact that Will Ospreay and Jeff Cobb are definitely teaching him and Great Ocon things. And they seem more like easygoing to teach the important stuff like paying attention to details how you would want to conduct your backstage promos even though all those promos are off the top of everyone's head but it's just the fact that you have osprey and jeff cobb with the years of experience under their belt and the stories that they have so it's just one big like learning circle within the united empire they all feel and act as one. And this is probably Osprey's vision of what the United Empire will definitely be. And the other reason for Hinari joining, which is a good thing, is that Hinari finally gets to be himself. And the tagline of the United Empire is that they do what they want. They take what they want. And I could definitely see that working for Hinari even before he decided to join the United Empire in every single match. It was him taking what he wants 
And what he wants is definitely in a victory. And even though he never really got the victories while he was a baby face, you know he wanted it. You know he's able to take it and he's able to get it. When he's with United Empire, he grabbed his first victory under United Empire. And it was amazing. So congrats to Hinari picking up a victory over Sonata during the Road 2 shows when he teamed up with Great Khan. It felt great. It looked great. And you knew that this is the step in the right direction. New Japan Pro Wrestling definitely has some high regards for Hanare and United Empire. So it's a victory in everyone's book underneath the United Empire that Hanare got his win. So that's the reason why Hanare fits within the United Empire. He does what he wants. He takes what he wants. And he's definitely going to be an unstoppable force in a couple years. And just being with the United Empire is only the beginning of his journey. So Hinari traveled from babyface that had all the determination in the world, but he was missing that specific destination to turn his life around and make him feel like a freaking superstar. And then once he got onto United Empire, that's where everything clicked. And now he has a destination. And with more wins under his belt, with more determination under his belt, he could definitely go and challenge for championship titles. Because I really do want to see him succeed and I really want to see him with some gold. We know that coming up on May 3rd, Jay White is returning. And Jay White is taking on Tanahashi for that never open weight championship title. And this is going to happen May 3rd at Wrestling Dantaku. What I would like, and this is just fantasy booking, guys. You know, I like to fantasy book at times. I would definitely love to see a chase for that championship title. Another Hinari versus Jay White because Hinari needs to right that wrong that happened at New Japan Cup. If the United Empire wants to stay with the tagline of they do what they want, they take what they want. And I'm probably paraphrasing, but you guys can definitely use it if you listen to my podcast episode. Hanare needs to take back that loss. Even if he was under Toa Hanare, it's still part of Hanare no matter what. And it might bother him in the back of his mind. But I would love to see a chase for that never championship belt against Jay White. Because Jay White brings the best out of everybody and... Jay White always mentions how everything revolves around him, which is true. But at the end of the day, I know that these two guys can put on one hell of a performance and drag me in to the story. And that's what I love about professional wrestling. Drag me into the story. Make me pay attention. So that way I could push the correct narrative when I talk about it on my podcast episodes. Like, I just love talking about stories and getting lost in the art that is professional wrestling and new Japan pro wrestling still has that. And I'll still be here to talk about it. So sometime in the future, I would definitely love to see Hinare versus Jay white in a series of matches just because other opponents that Hinari could definitely face is going for tag team championship gold where him and Jeff Cobb can team up as a tag team and go after the Gorillas of Destiny of Bullet Club. 
I want to see some gold on Jeff Cobb as well. And that would be a perfect starter if they don't get to a Hanari versus Jay White series. But I would definitely love to see Jeff Cobb teaming up with Hanare to take on G.O.D. for those IWGP Heavyweight Championship Tag Team titles. That would be the fresh and new matchup that G.O.D. needs, that Bullet Club needs to be on their toes. So, we have come to the end of my analysis for the Road to Dantaku series, even a little bit talk about wrestling Dantaku May 3rd and May 4th gave you my opinions about the matches, the story, even dived a little bit more deeper into why Hinari was the best fit for the United Empire and that the United Empire has been so dominant during these Road to Dantaku series episodes that they feel like eventually they will rival Bullet Club. And I cannot wait for United Empire to go against Bullet Club. I want that story. That's going to be an amazing story. And then eventually we'll get down the line of Jay White challenging Will Ospreay for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title as well. And then everything will be right. Jay White will have got his destino and become champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling like he was meant to be, always meant to be. And yeah, like I said, this podcast is pro Bullet Club, pro Jay White, pro Hinare, and also pro United Empire. It's pro New Japan Pro Wrestling at this point. I will get back to reviewing All Elite Wrestling. Just give me some time as I deal with some real life issues that I really don't want to get into on the podcast because it's not meant for that. I don't like pity parties or stuff like that, but you guys can definitely send me good vibes. Wrestling is the one constant in my life that brings me out of dark times. And if I could talk about professional wrestling all day, every day, 24-7, I would just love to do it because there's so much to dive into. I don't really limit myself to what I could talk about. I could do this all day. This whole entire podcast is not scripted, just so you know. Anyway, as much as I love talking about professional wrestling, I do not want to talk your ear off any longer. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. If you want to show me some love, head over to anchor.fm forward slash Square Circle Podcast. I am also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. If you guys want to take it a step further, the website is now up and running. I encourage you guys to sign up, make an account, become a member because I will be rolling out some exclusives such as wrestler interviews once I get out of this mental block that I'm dealing with in real life. And then also some exclusive JD Alpha matches and a lot more coming to the website. Go visit www.ravagelands.com. That is R-A-V-A-G-E-L-A-N-D-S.com. And if you want to take it a step further, follow me on Twitter where we can have 24-7 conversations about wrestling at Marie underscore shadows. So Again, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I thank you for listening this long and showing me some love. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.